Welcome back to Stands and Fits on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. All right, man, Iowa State coming off a 23-21 win over Texas. Were you prepared for disappointment when they lined up to kick some field goals? Yes. I think uh, if you took a poll of the entire Iowa State fan base, uh, probably at least 80% were expecting that Asali would not make that field goal. I felt better about it when Asali went out there to kick the second one than I did when Narvison went out to kick the first one. Yeah, and uh, watching it back on TV, I believe when they drew that offside penalty, Narvison kicked it, and it was like nowhere near the field goal. Yeah, that was that would have been a bad deal. Yeah. Uh, but luckily, that one didn't count. Yes, and I, it, it might have been the kind of thing where he just didn't really care about the kick. He knew it was gonna, wasn't going to actually count. But. Right. But yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. When, when he first kicked it, I was like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, they don't got to do that again. But mm-hmm. uh, no, I, I I was 100% prepared for heartbreak at that point. Yeah, I admittedly didn't have much confidence. Um, but man, that was honestly of all the kicks he's had during his entire career, that was like the truest down the center kick he's ever done. Right. That one was 100% good. Mm-hmm. 100% good. And that was, uh, was obviously good to, to get the win. And, you know, it's crazy because nobody's even talking about the fact that now we're going to go bowling again. Yeah, I know. That's just because it's become normal for this program. It's like an expectation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a, hey, I hope we can get to six and six. Yeah. You know, now well, I, I think the, the, the quote from Campbell a couple of years ago was, you know, bullshit programs. Yeah. Care about six and six. Man, look at Fitzy breaking out the, breaking out the swear word. Well, I mean, you were doing it at the Greenlee school the other day. So well, yeah, that's true. But I had to match your level. I had yeah. to get on your level. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it was, it was funny because I was trying not to do that. <laughs> Uh, but I was also nervous. Mm-hmm. So that it's like a coping mechanism. I'm just going to swear as much as I possibly can. And well, tell I feel, you guys don't care about me. I feel like in that environment though, I think the kids kind of appreciate a guy who's willing to break out those words. Well, I, I know that if they want to work in journalism, then they better get used to it. Yeah. I can promise you that. <laughs> I imagine there's a lot of quotes, uh, especially from coaches on the side that maybe. Uh, oh no, I'm not even saying that. I'm just saying being around other journalists. Oh, yeah. You know? So, okay. So who's the biggest swear guy in the Iowa state media room? Oh, probably me. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, I, I swear quite a bit. All right. Who's number two then? I don't know. I, I've never really like thought about it. You're just being modest. You don't want to call out anyone. No, I, I just really don't. I don't think about it, but I know that I, I swear quite a bit just in casual conversation, mm-hmm. which probably is not good, but sometimes I can't help it. Uh, I do the best that I can on the podcast to try and limit it. Mm-hmm. Usually I think I do a pretty good job, but sometimes they slip out. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, when you, you look at that game against Texas, it felt like they should have won by a lot more. And we talked about that on the, uh, on football and random things. And then Jay wrote about that as well, uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. but just to be able to beat that program, I think is a positive as much as anything. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the what what Campbell's done, like the two things that were holding like you know over his head right now were beating Texas and beating Iowa, and he obviously got the Texas um, thing off his back this year. So hopefully he can get the Iowa one off his back next year. But uh, at this point, it's great that he's beaten every Big Twelve school. If he if they beat Iowa next year, they will, he will have beaten every team he's ever played coached against at Iowa State, right? Yeah, I believe so. And he was, I guess he assumed that they'll beat UNLV, but I hope to God Dakota, that they beat UNLV. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but no, I'm just saying like that. You know, at that point they 
they've won basically every other game. He hadn't beaten Northern Iowa until, well, I guess he did beat Northern Iowa that second year, but mm. uh, I mean, the only other one would be South Dakota State, and that game doesn't count. So, yep. But they, but they were uh, they were winning. They were winning. They correct. were winning. So technically, I, I count that as a win. But I, I wonder how many coaches there are at Iowa, in Iowa State history that can say that. I don't think there's any really, right? I wouldn't think so. No. Yeah. I would not think so. I, I do know that if, if they win on Saturday against Kansas, Brock Purdy will tie the record for most conference wins by a quarterback at Iowa State with 11. Man. <laughs> and he's only a sophomore, dude. And he's only a sophomore. So he, I mean, that, and that's just another record that he's going to yeah. shatter. I'm not even going to pull the sheet out, but it's like every record, basically. Yeah. I wonder what just the total wins as a starter record is. It's a good question. It's got to be Brett Meyer, I would think. Yeah, just because of the longevity is Because he was career. a starter for a long period of time. Yeah. Unless it maybe or not, I guess that's the only other one. And I think he was injured quite a bit. The main record that, he, that Purdy's going to break this coming Saturday is the season yards. Passing, yeah, correct. Yeah, single season passing yards, and he, I think he could break the single season total yards record too. Uh, okay. owned, owned by Seneca's 2002 season, so wow. anything after that would just be cherry on top. But it's it's just crazy. I mean, obviously, th- some things are different. They pass a lot more now than mm-hmm. they ever did back then. But uh, there's just what he's done, you know, with the efficiency that he's been able to do it with is, yeah. is pretty remarkable for how young he is. Exactly, and I mean, it's like. Offenses has been passing the ball pretty well ever since like those Baylor teams uh, with RG three and all them. Like yeah. it's kind of like when like those teams in Texas Tech kind of revolutionized the sport. I would say um, throwing the ball so much. So it's been a while uh, that Iowa State's had the capability. Like if they wanted to, they could have you know tossed the ball around a lot more. So the fact that it's just happening now, um, on one hand, I'm su- I'm not surprised. On the other hand, I am a little bit surprised that it took this long. Well, and it's. In fairness, they did throw the ball a lot, you know, like when Sam Richardson was in school. True. He he does have the record for single-season completions. Yeah. Uh, the problem is that, and I, I made this joke on Monday, is that, you know, a lot of those passes went sideways and not <laughs> down the field. Horizontal pass game. Yes. Yeah. Back in the, the Mangino days, mm-hmm. which I would say you still uses the horizontal pass game quite a bit. The only difference is they've got athletes a little bit better run. guys catching the ball and blocking for those guys catching the ball. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just crazy to think, but the 11 conference wins might actually be the most impressive one out of all of them. Yeah. And it come against some real good teams too. Right. Just when you think about the entire, you know, history of Iowa state to put that fully into context where you're like, holy cow, Mm -hmm. it's kind of wild that, that he's already that high up on that list, but, um, he'll like break every record and then put them all away where no one ever can. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't think that anybody would break them. And, you know, it's taking a step back and observing this. Like, you can technically point at this era right now and basically say we're entering the golden era of Iowa State football. Well, yeah, it looks that way. Yeah. So, like, appreciate this while it's happening. But do you think that people were saying that in 2002, 2004? I mean, maybe. Like, when you had a freshman Brett Meyer, freshman Todd Blythe? Yeah. That's, that's the only other time that I would think... I mean, and even then, like back in the seventies, you know, like mm-hmm. they probably were thinking, man, obviously it's good now. You know, we're good. That's true. And, you know, Jamie Pollard always talks about the crossroads with Earl Bruce and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's still a long way to go, but it does feel like they're a lot more set up to 
take it forward yeah than from what i know they ever have been before do you think it it like what's the the point where you can officially say that it is like is it five years of success is it like 10 years of success what do you think when was it in basketball how long did it take? How many consecutive NCAA tournaments? What well, they've been to seven or eight now, right? They've been, or they've been in the, in the last eight years or whatever. They've it is. been to eight out of nine, isn't that right? Yeah. I mean, I would think it has to be like from a from a freshman, redshirt freshman, and you know, like the whole five years uh-huh. where like a traditional college athlete goes through school. I think if you're successful for an entire career like that, yeah, then you can claim success. So like the man who's like the juniors right now. Or even like Tariq Milton's class, like the whoever, like the freshman who started in 2017 when they when they beat Oklahoma, yeah, like Sean Shaw, Charlie mm-hmm. Kohler, people like that, yeah, yeah. Uh, guys that are in their third year in the program. Yes, once they get through, then it, and like they have successful years all the their entire career. Then you're like, all right, yeah, yeah. I think if if they will have gone to a bowl game in in all five of those years, then that will signify that it's long term success. I wonder what the no, maybe that doesn't work. I was going to say, I wonder what the last recruiting class I obviously had that went to three straight bowl games was, but it probably would have been like, uh, well, I think the Jeff's last class the, went to three straight bowl games. Yeah. I mean, wasn't it, uh, 2000 to 2002 something like that? Well, or not three straight, but three total. How many did they go to uh, under Rhodes? They went uh, to the Insight and two Liberties. And pinstri- no, Pinstripe. Or Pinstripe and then the Liberty, or right? In, or two Liberties. Insight, Pinstripe, yeah. and Liberty. Insight, Insight was 2009. Yeah. Pinstripe was 2011. Liberty was 2012. Okay. So they didn't go to one in 2010. Correct. Okay. That's okay. That's where I was messed up. Yep. Uh, so three and a four year. Three uh, and period. four. Yeah. So, I mean, it would, yeah, it'd be a long, been a while since I've been to one, like mm-hmm. three straight, but uh, it's crazy too. Cause even the guys that are in this senior class outside of like Marcel, Deshante and Ray, there's 17 others. And they're like, I mean, Michael Petway is a big deal, but he was only here for the one year. Uh, Like the rest of them aren't like the ones that really had that big of an impact on them doing it. You know, I mean, they made an impact. Don't get me wrong. They made an impact, but I would say they're more like depth roles. Yeah. Like they're like role players, supporting, Mm -hmm. supporting players than they are the guys that when you think about the Liberty Bowl team or you think about the Alma Bowl team, Mm -hmm. you're not going to think of like those guys. Yep. Exactly. Uh, But yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy because would it be out of the realm of possibility to think like Brock Purdy could go to Iowa State's like first BCS bowl at this point with the way that he's thinking or way he plays? Uh, I don't think so. I yeah. don't think so either. I mean, I think next year, like it, it, if he stays for a senior year, especially, I, yeah. th- I think next year's schedule, unfortunately, is going to be a little bit tougher, especially than this year. But that that's potential senior year for Purdy, uh, that schedule should be uh, more in line with they could have a real special season. Yeah, but even then, like you get. You get Oklahoma at home mm-hmm. next year. You get Baylor at home. And they'll have yeah. Charlie Brewer back. Mm-hmm. You got to go to Texas, but to Oklahoma State, to TCU, to yeah. Iowa. It's a yeah. lot of tough road games next year. Yeah, there's a lot of tough. I mean, there's gonna be a lot of tough road games every year. Yeah, at, at the end of the day, it's life like, in the Big Twelve. To sure. Kansas. Yeah, it's a very tough road game. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> uh, speaking speaking of the Jayhawks. If we had had more time this week, if this wasn't like crossover season, I would have watched every episode of Miles to Go and would have came in here with like my top 10 moments from Miles to Go mm. to count down for you. Uh, but I just have not had time for that. So is that uh, only like this season or are they continuing it like on into the future? I have no idea. 
never have heard anything about that. Because that seems like it would be a real good like summer watch when when the the doldrums of the off season. Yeah, exactly. Like after the season, mm-hmm. if they almost did it. Yeah, the problem is that it's it's kind of it's very heavily produced. You know, oh. it's not like hard knocks where you get in and really get some genuine stuff. Yeah. Especially that first episode. I imagine they have before to people remember they're on camera since it's like student athletes as opposed to professional athletes, you know? Yeah. I would imagine that a lot of who makes that show is probably people at the university of Kansas that are mm. given the green light to what they can actually air. Yeah. I would, I would guess so, but I don't know that for certain. What if they did that at Iowa state? Do you think it'd be interesting? Um, It'd be interesting for Iowa State fans, but I don't think it'd have much mass appeal just because I don't think there's that much but drama. But Kansas? Yeah, I, d- I think it is because, I mean, Kansas is known as a traditionally bad program, especially over the last decade. Um, and obviously, Les Miles, he's just a, yeah. a well-known college football coach. See, if they could do it like it's last chance you, and like I said, like you really get, I don't know, the episodes I've watched of it never feels that really genuine. Mm. It, there's like pieces of it, obviously, that are real, but... Uh, where you're always kind of like, okay, they're showing us like the very kids glove version of this. Mm-hmm. You know, if we could get the full on, like what it's unfiltered, re- unfiltered versions of being a coach at Kansas, like that would be really cool. I think it would. And I would be like, if they went full unfiltered, I think that would make the Iowa state version of it more interesting. Right. Because I think uh, just from what I've heard, like the, the way that the staff interacts behind the scenes is pretty funny or pretty interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Good one, dude. I'm just uh, saying. Yeah. I think that Les Miles is interesting too. He's just a weird cat. And mm-hmm. the like, that's what kind of has always turned me off about the shows. I know he like wanted to be an actor mm-hmm. and tried to have like an acting career. So you think he's like kind of, kind of leaning into it a little bit too much? Oh, 100%. Mm-hmm. Les Miles loves that the cameras are there. Yeah. He really like, it's, it's like the one where they're talking about, I know you and I talked about this or I can't remember if I talked about it with Jeff, who it was, but where they're asking him about the recruiting, uh, yeah, yeah. the recruiting operation. And he's like, he's like, good God. Were we talking about that yesterday? Yeah. I was yeah. Yesterday. That, I was gonna say, I remember us having that conversation. <laughs> he's just like, good God. And you know that that was completely staged where he like found out about that. And he's like, you know what? That'd be look really good on the camera. Exactly. If we, if we did it again. Yeah. So like run it back boys. Let's, yeah. let's just redo that conversation. Yeah. And like, you can tell because the way he like stares off into the distance, it's not the way anyone would really stare <laughs> off into the distance when they hear something that's like really yeah. distressing, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And it was like a, it's like written in the script, dramatic pause. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. I, I just want to see them win this game easily. Yeah, I think... Uh, I don't think my heart can take it much longer. Especially dating back to last year, with how like, the Drake game went, a lot of fans were hoping that the second unit would just get like all the playing time in the second half. Yeah. And no, that didn't happen at all. In fairness, that game was played in, in a mud the, hole. It was. And yes, that leveled the play field a whole lot. But like this don't year... Don't let anybody at Drake tell you different either. <laughs> yeah, or, or at Iowa for that matter. Um but yeah, I think I think the hope is that especially when the third quarter rolls around, Iowa State's second team is is in the game. Yeah, it is kind of crazy how how much of like a playing field leveler just the natural grass field is. Honestly, it is uh, during November. Yeah, where like Texas, they did not they did not know how to cut on that thing. Yeah, and I think you can even see like where the Michael Petway gets caught on it sometimes. Yeah, just because he's probably not used to it either, and. 
obviously doesn't really get caught on that very often. They really know what they're doing, cutting around on that field. Yeah. But those other teams that come in have no clue. Yeah. And, but that Drake game was so bad mm-hmm. that it was like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Who, no matter who, who knows what they're doing out here. Yeah. Even, even David Montgomery looked human on that field. Yeah. Like that, like negated David Montgomery's ability to change direction. Exactly. The only thing that could ever do it in the history of college football. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I just hope that they can win pretty easily on, on Saturday and just get out of there with a win. Yeah. Move on to the next one. What will be, I, I have, I have no uh, worry about being able to move the ball against Kansas. Again, it's just going to be the same thing. Like they're going to have to turn it into points. Yeah. Yeah. Got to turn it into points. Can't make stupid mistakes. And, uh, just go out and like do their thing. Maybe we can see Real Mitchell play a little bit. I hope so. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, next thing, Iowa State basketball. Got the win last night over Southern Miss. I have to say, I have a very real concern about the shooting. Yeah, I think it's going to become apparent that this year's team is worse at shooting the ball than teams of the past. You think? Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I think another thing that needs to be addressed too is I think the the move to put George Condit in the starting lineup is probably going to come sooner than we think. Yeah, I would. I wrote that after the Northern Illinois game that I think that that is in that, an inevitability. Yeah, just he's such a, an X factor, especially when he can erase shots the way he does. Right. He's got 16 blocks through uh, four games. Yep. Which would be like a hundred something <laughs> blocks this season. And so he, don't like don't count on it being like that. But yeah. But the fact that he can block so so well and he has great chemistry with, especially with Tyrese, yeah, um, on the oops. I'm a little worried right now about Tyrese. You know his like the longevity over the whole season. Yeah, he's he's got to carry a lot of like a big load right now. Yeah, especially on those days when the shots aren't falling, and I'm scared that those shots not falling are going to be they're going to be a lot more often than maybe we thought. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be concerned when. Iowa State shots aren't falling and they start scheming to keep the ball in Tyrese's hands like they won't allow him to distribute yeah they'll make him they'll turn well, him into a, a, a scorer I don't think it'll be like that but like, because he can that's just not how he is but he, when he's driving the lane and kicking it out to those shooters you know the way that he's able to get his shot is that he kicks it out to those shooters they make their shots and then they can't sag into the middle of the lane well if no one makes any shots then what's going to like, why would anybody ever worry about him? They're just going to sag into the driving lanes, not let Tyrese get in the middle of the paint, and then all of a sudden, like, your entire offense dries up. Yeah. And that is very concerning to me right now. That was my big thing coming out of last night. I was like, man, there was a pretty sizable stretch of this game where literally the only thing they could do was just, like, say, Tyrese, go do something. Yeah. And then he would throw the ball to somebody else, and half the time they didn't make the shot. Yeah. Um. Hopefully, Caleb Grill can kind of turn into a shooter. Yeah. Um, but the unfortunate part is that I think there's enough guys in the rotation that they were hoping would be shooters yeah. who haven't turned into shooters yet. Well, yeah, and, and Coach Brom talked about it after the game. Just, you know, he talked about how hard they work and all that kind of stuff. And I get it. I'm not – I believe that the guys can make shots in practice. Yeah. And they, and they, they've been playing hard. It's not like they've not been playing hard. Right. But right now they're uh, they're what? eight for 47 yeah right now in the last two games eight mm. for 47 that was real bad not very efficient not very efficient and he you know i asked him about that last night about tyrese and he started saying something and he was like he's like the two teams like four for he's like 
and went five for 40. Oh my gosh. Like, uh, like he didn't even realize how bad it was. I don't think. Yeah. And I mean, it was, it was very poor. Yeah. Very not good. And I know Southern Miss isn't that great of a team. They went um, 0 for 16 from three. Yeah. So obviously they're not that good. They nearly didn't make a free throw or a three pointer in the entire game. And again, you have to credit a lot of that to them not being good, but I, I think there is a little bit of credit due to Iowa State's defense too. Yeah. Iowa State's defense is good. Yeah. I, I do think that, and that's going to have to be the thing that keeps them in games. Yep. I, I'm not concerned about it against Southern, the Southern messes of the world, mm-hmm. but the Michigans of the world. Yeah. The North Carolina or whoever you're going to play down in the Bahamas. Like if Iowa State continues shooting as poorly as they have these last two games, then they're probably going to lose by 10 plus. Yeah, they're going to be in trouble down there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you're going to be in trouble in the Big 12 more often than not. Because like, just like I said, you can, like, I I just don't see how they're going to play games in the 50s. Like they're better defensively, but they're by no means are they Texas Tech, you know, or are they Kansas State? Mm-hmm. because at that point, then you have to have like sit back and say like, okay, we got to change our offensive philosophy a little bit. And it's like, we're just going to stand out here and run motion offense and run the clock all the way down every single time. Yeah. And I don't see them doing that. Yeah. So that's what concerns me. That's my concern through four games. On the flip side though, when they do happen to have a good shooting night, they're probably going to be able to beat anyone they want to play. Yeah. And you know, I hope that that night comes soon. <laughs> yeah. Same. Cause it's hard to watch. Yeah. Uh, them go whatever it is from three because that is just nasty uh all right you got anything else about basketball you want to say don't think so all right we'll take a quick break uh we'll come right back with our uh the q a that we did up at iowa state in the sports or sports in the media class at the greenlee school of journalism at iowa state and then we will finish the podcast out with some hot and not or not hot and not underrated underdogs i'm just trying to get my way through this (laughs) we'll be right back All right, welcome back to Stands and Fits on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. We are in the sports and the media class at Iowa State, uh, answering some questions from the, the kids after I just gave a, a extreme, extremely riveting talk, right? Yeah, they're all really into the presentation right now. Everybody seems thrilled. Nobody wants to ask us any questions, but we're going to make them, make them ask some questions. All right, Justin's got one question, though. All right, so what do, you, what do you guys take on expanding the college football playoff to eight teams? You can go first. Um, personally, I'd like to see it just from a fan perspective. I know there's a lot of um, talk about money, especially, and that's a whole other side deal. But I'd like to see all the Power Five teams or Power Five conferences represented. Um, and I think if you get the, all the champions in there for sure and leave it up to at-large bids to fill it out, then I think that'd be a good way to go. Yeah, I mean that's kind of where uh, that's kind of where I come into it. Is it's just at the end of the day, if you go to eight, there's always going to be someone that's going to be pissed off. Uh, you go to eight, and then all of a sudden people are going to say, okay, well, now we got to go to 16. Uh, the one thing I will say is that if you go to eight, it gives you an opportunity to be able to get the five Power Five conferences in. Uh, gives you a chance where you could put the group of five, the highest-ranked team, and the group of five in, uh, and then you could take two at-large. And that's, that's what I think would be the best possible scenario. You know, people can complain all they want at that point, but I think that that's how people probably see it going. I think you can see that where a lot of the Blue Bloods, uh, whether it's you know Oklahoma or Alabama or whoever it may be, wh- why they're scheduling the games that the way that they are now, uh, I think that that probably here five six years that's probably what we where we'll be going. What do you think though? Uh, yeah, I would like to see it expand. Uh, I don't think four teams is doing it right now because you obviously have at least like five six even to eight teams with one losses. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, I just think it's at the same time it's tough because you know you get to a position where you know eight you get to the eighth team. Is there always eight teams that deserve to win the national championship? I don't know that there are. That's, that's just my personal opinion, but I believe so because yeah. you do have tough seasons, and then as you say, scheduling is a factor too. Because this year Alabama and then Georgia they have those tough losses, but they could still be in the playoffs and. Everybody, they're good for the market yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it'll be good for everybody just because, I mean, there's going to be a lot more money involved. And at the end of the day, that's all it's about. It's about the money. All right, thanks, man. Right, thanks thank for you. taking some time. Yep. All right, we got any other questions? We need to get at least five questions out of you guys. Come on. It's two and a half minutes for our podcast. Come on, guys. Man, well, how long is it usually? Uh, An hour and a half sometimes? Uh, hour and a half at the longest. I would say usually it runs between 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Yeah, it depends on how much I like, ramble that day. I, I kind of do that sometimes. Man, nobody else. I did that bad. No, no, you did great. There we go. Next volunteer. There we go. There you go, dude. All right. Your name? What's your name? My name is Carter. All right. I'm a senior in advertising, so All right, I love cool. listening to you guys. You guys are really funny. I oh. really love listening to you guys. I've listened to you guys for a long time. So. Oh, thanks. Thanks, dude. I just really want to know why you think Bruce Weber is an elite basketball man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, he's going to put, put, me, on, put we're gonna, me on the spot right we're gonna away. We're going to fill out the rest of the podcast with this answer oh, right yeah, here. Yeah. How, yeah, how much time do we have? Uh, man, every year, if you look at the teams in the Big 12 that are at the top as far as defense, uh, Bruce Weber's team is always up there. And I'm, you know, I'll fully admit, it, there, it, there's some shtick to it, you know. and It's like it's like Chris with Christmas with the Cranks. Well, yeah. No, I think Chris actually really does love <laughs> Christmas with the Cranks. That's the really distressing thing about that. That That's really a bad deal. Hmm. Don't encourage him on that. But uh, the thing I'll say about Bruce Weber is that he always has a team that's going to compete really hard. And that's why you very rarely see his team's come out and get blown out even when they're you know having those down years like they did when Barry Brown and Dean Wade um, you know those guys were freshmen every game you knew it was going to be a tough battle uh, anytime you had to go into the octagon of, of doom and um, like I said there's part of it that stick but then also I've got an opportunity to spend some time around coach Weber and he is an elite human being if nothing else and uh, you know I've really enjoyed all the times that I've, I've been able to interact with him and uh, but yeah he's He's an elite defensive coach. I need to, like, amend it, uh, and I don't know. I, I I do believe that he's a, a great guy, though. Sounds like you need to do some research so you can, like, have some facts. Some facts. Well, he's been to the Final Four. He's been to the Final Four. I didn't know I could say that. Was. Andy's, Andy's coach Tyrese Halliburton now, too. Yeah, there we go. Andy's a gold medalist. Sure. Yeah, how many coaches you, could say that? You saw him at some clinics, whatever, that you went to. Like, did I he did. yell at the clinics like he does when he's in Hilton? Or yeah, I mean, he, when he actually gets out there on the floor and he's coaching guys, even if it's not his own team, he'll he'll be very vocal. That's just how he is. So it's kind, it's kind of interesting, too, because when he's off the court, he's very quiet, and I would say he almost tends to be reserved. But when he's out there in his element, he just lets it all go. I thought it was interesting. I read an article that said something about how he has like issues with his voice or something like that all the time, but he still screams anyway. Yeah. I just thought it was like really counterintuitive, but yeah, that's he had, Bruce Weber for you. He had like a rare like throat disease or something like that as a child that made it to where his voice is the way that it is. But uh, no, there's there's very few people that I think if you could spend like 20 minutes with them are more interesting 
especially in the Big 12, outside of maybe Bob Huggins, if I could spend 20 minutes at any time with Bob Huggins, I think I would definitely jump at that opportunity. But so many of those basketball coaches are so freaking boring. I mean, it's it it doesn't matter who it is. Uh, but very rarely does Bruce Weber say anything boring. I know Bob Huggins likes to hang out at West Town when he comes to Ames. Oh yeah, he's uh, out there sometime after a game. He, beer with him. he likes to he likes to hang out at the Marriott Hotel in Kansas City during Big Twelve Media Days too. So believe me, I know about that. But uh, yeah, no, uh, Coach Huggins is an awesome dude too. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun just getting some getting a chance to to be around those guys. Uh, but none of them are better than Scott Drew. Scott Drew is the the true legend. Still want you to come play for him? No, no, I'm not going to. My my eligibility's up. My eligibility (laughs) clock, I think, ran out. And didn't you get, I think we talked about this on our previous podcast too, but didn't you get invited to Lubbock by Chris Beard too? Yeah, I did get invited to Lubbock by Chris Beard. He told me he would take me to Whataburger. Uh, That was because I was the only person who talked to him at Big 12 Media Days his first year at Texas Tech. Uh, And then last year in Tulsa, I tried to ask him a question at the NCAA tournament. Uh, He basically told me to F off (laughs) in a press conference setting. So I'm out on Chris Beard. I'm never going to visit him in Lubbock, and, uh, and I'm definitely not going to Whataburger with him. I know that for sure. He'll never be elite in your eyes. Exactly. Yeah, no way. It, mm-hmm. There's there's no chance. All right, you, you good, man? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for listening to us, dude. We yeah. really appreciate that. It's awesome. It's a lot of fun. I like uh, fart to your level. <laughs> yeah. Is and stuff, so. Man, you guys are lucky I didn't bring Jeff Woody in here. We never would have left. <laughs> that's, that's a promise. He'd ask one question and answer it for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he would... He, Jeff would never stop talking. He's a uh, he's a little more winded than I am. We'll say that. Yeah, he's a little more winded than about everybody on earth, I think. Uh, that's but we love him. I love Jeff. All right, you got any other things? Or are you good? I think All that's right. it. All right, awesome, dude. Is that is everybody else good? No, we you got, got we, one, we, oh, we got two more. Now. Yeah, bring All them right. on. Which which one he wants to go first? I would say you guys can fight for it. That'll work too. We got enough space. We can in throw the it on Periscope. All right, so your name's Carter, too? Yes, my name is also Carter. What uh, What's your major, man? Uh, I'm in public relations, and I'm a super senior. Okay. <laughs> Congratulations. I like it. So, um, on the topic of eliteness, yeah. would you guys say that Brock Purdy is elite? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a reason that he's, what, third nationally in passing yards. Uh, he will shatter every record at Iowa State by the time that he's done. Uh, I actually wrote about this on Saturday. Um, like on this coming up Saturday on against Kansas, he'll break the single season record for passing yards. He'll break the single season record for total offense, the single season record for completions. Already broke the single season touchdown record. He could be uh, like three touchdowns away, I think, if he stays on his current pace. He'll be three touchdowns away from being the career touchdown leader, touchdown passes leader at Iowa State as a junior. Like in his first game as a junior, he would break that record. Uh, he probably will break the career passing record last year next year uh this dude is like unlike anything we've ever seen at Iowa State and I know Seneca Wallace was really good I know Brett Meyer was statistically very good in the mid-2000s uh but Brock like legitimately could be a Heisman candidate next year yeah I don't have anything else to add to that one so good answer good kid too so uh just to kind of be a devil's advocate how do you explain that game against Oklahoma State and then also all the other games this year that we've lost by one possession or less? That game against Oklahoma State, man, uh, there's no reason for Brock Purdy to throw the ball 60 times when you got Brees Hall as your running back. That's that's the first thing I would say. And I 
I will say too that Brock is a 19 year old sophomore. He's learning. You know, uh, he does too much sometimes. I think that you've seen him kind of grow from that in the time since then, where he seems a little bit more willing to just kind of take what's given to him rather than try and force something that's not there. And like I said, I mean, that, that goes back to, I put it on the fact that they threw the ball 60 times. You throw the ball 60 times, you're going to throw some interceptions sometimes. And um, in the other games that they've lost, man, the Iowa game, I think they would have won that if they could have actually caught that punt. That would have been the first problem. Yeah. Uh, I felt pretty confident that he would have been able to take them down the field and score in that one. The Baylor game, uh, got to get a stop. You know, he, he brought you back. You get back, take a 21-20 lead, uh, and then you can't keep him from getting down and getting a field goal to, to win the game. Oklahoma, you go for two to win. I mean, I, I would have done the same thing with the way that he was playing in the fourth quarter of the game. So, I don't know. I, I think it's hard to sit and like be like, man, this is Brock's fault or anything like that. Because, like I said, in that Iowa game, you can't run into each other on the punt. That's You get finally get the stop. You got the opportunity to go and win the, the football game, and you guys run into each other. Uh, and then Baylor, like I said, he drove him down the field. Uh, he took the lead, and the defense couldn't get him back off the field and give him an opportunity to win. So, I don't know. That's what I would say. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Are you good? Yeah, I'm yeah, good. Yeah, okay. You got anything else? No, I'm good. No, all right. You still good? You want to ask a question too? Yeah? Come on up. Yeah, come on up. This is much better, 11 minutes. Now we don't have to talk as long tomorrow. Whew, thank goodness. What's your name, man? My name is Brady. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Uh, so my my question uh, is regarding Big Twelve basketball. Okay. Would you say that Steve Prohm is in the top half of Big Twelve head basketball <sighs> coaches? Oh. Try to remain objective here. Yeah. yeah so obviously yeah, yeah. you got the elite Bruce Weber. Well, okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, I think we can all agree that Bill Self's probably number one. Yep. Uh, I would actually put Chris Beard number two. Agreed. Um, Scott Drew has to be up there. I was going to say, I think Scott Drew is probably number three. Bob Huggins. Bob Huggins. Oh, man, I don't know if uh, Bob Huggins might be number three. Yeah, he, he and Scott Drew, I think, are on the same tier. Yeah. So, no, I'm going to say no. Who do you put in the five who, spot, who, then? Lon Kruger. He's been to a Final Four, too. Yeah, with what, four programs? Yeah. Or he's been, to the, he's been in the NCAA tournament with four different programs. Yeah, and he's just – they were in the Final Four, what, just a couple years ago? Yeah. Or in the Elite Eight or whatever with that, that was. Buddy with that With team. the Buddy Heal team. Yeah, I think that Lon Kruger's probably got to be up there, too. But I'd put Prom six i think yeah i think so too and that just goes to show Man, I mean, we forgot about jamie dixon too yeah i mean the, the bottom line is there's a there's so many good coaches in the big 12 like even if you say prom is in the bottom half it doesn't mean he's a bad coach by any means yeah when you got 10 coaches that where lon kruger's been in the final four bill self's been in the final four chris beard's been in the final four shaka smart's been in the final four bob huggins has been in the final four bruce weber's been in the final four so you got four left I mean, Scott Drew's been to the Elite Eight however many times. Like, there's a lot of coaches that have won a lot of basketball games on that list. And uh, I don't know. It's hard to, you know, be like, oh, Steve Prom sucks, you know. <laughs> but I, I do think there are things that Coach Prom does that are questionable sometimes. I'll definitely say that. Uh, but I do think that Coach Prom's done a, a pretty good job for, for the situation that he was in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's not really meant to, like, rip on him, but more to – show the strength in the league and yeah. I don't know if the question or the answer changes if the question is within the years that he's been at Iowa State disregarding the history of yeah. mm. a Lon Kruger or a Bruce Weber yep well he's won two big total tournament championships yep uh anyway this is his fourth fifth year uh 
Yeah, fifth I'm, year, I think. I'm blanking while we're yeah, actually Yeah, no, this. time all kind of just runs together after a while. Everything everything keeps moving. You kind of yeah. just are staying in there. But, uh, no, I, I, yeah, I think he's probably be up there in the top half because then you, you sit there and it's like, uh, you know, Bob Huggins' teams have obviously been down the last couple of years after being really good a couple of years ago. But uh, So I guess that'd probably be a knock for him. Um, Bill Self is still number one. Uh, Chris Beard would probably still be number two. Yeah, I think you could probably put him top half at that point, I, I guess, based on that metric. I think the one thing I'll say, too, about Coach Prom, his teams almost always are playing their best when they need to be, except for last year in that game in Tulsa. That was a, that was a joke. But I think that I put that on some – I'm not going to say anything else about that. That, that I think <laughs> that there's – no, Well, yeah, Caleb Wesson was part of that. I think there were some other dynamics at play in that entire situation that uh, that are – that didn't have much to do with Coach Prom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, are you, is that it? You good? All right. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for the question. Anybody else? All right. Let's get at least one more so we can have five. All right. There we go. What's your name? My name's Tyler. I'm a senior in statistics. Okay. What? Why are you in this class if you're majoring <laughs> in statistics? <laughs> I'm just kind of looking to get into sports, and I'm huge on like kind of that statistical media side, like MLB Statcast, things like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually a journalism minor as well to kind okay. of have that on my resume. So don't don't ask me any number questions. All right, I'm not a numbers guy. I will say of all the classes I took at Iowa State, I took one statistics class, and it was by far my least favorite class. That was State. a horror. Yeah, that was horrible. All right, what's many, your? Qu- not many people like statistics. <laughs> yeah, no, like I me. That, I don't know why anybody would. All right, what's up, man? That's kind of a weird one, and I might be coming out of left field to you guys, but personally, I'd like to see a little bit more of Real Mitchell on the field in some capacity. He's a weapon, and you know, I feel like him not in the game is kind of a bad thing for Iowa State. Well, hey, on the bright side, they got to play Kansas on Saturday, so <laughs> That's true. there, there, hopefully, will be an opportunity to get him out there. But uh, you know, the thing I'll say about Real is. You got a guy that I just listed all these reasons why Brock Purdy is so good, you know. And sometimes it's like, why would we take Brock Purdy off the field when I know Real can really help you? And if Real wants to be a quarterback, then there's a pretty good quarterback that's that's already in front of them. And um, that'll be something that I think Real is going to have to kind of work through here the next couple of years, especially because there's a young man coming in, this or two young men that's coming in this next year, one of them Hunter Deckers from West Sioux, uh, that is a – is a really good player, um, you know, was an Elite 11 finalist and uh, is, is someone who I think is going to come in and make a big impact on the program as well as Aiden Bauman, who uh, his dad played in the NFL, uh, and, and he's somebody that I think can make a big impact on the program as well. So I'm not saying that Real's going to transfer or anything like that. I think Real still has a chance to really, you know, have a good career at Iowa State. Uh, but the fact of it is it's just there's there's not much time to go, to go around for everybody. Oh yeah, but I think you can also you can do some things to get creative. I feel like yeah. his athleticism, and you know, forgive me if I'm talking in an Iowa State spear where we're fortunate to have a good quarterback at the oh, moment. Oh no, anyway. dude! Believe me, we've had this conversation. Yeah, <laughs> well, this conversation has been had. But you know, I feel like you can do something, you know, wildcat or otherwise that mm-hmm. you can still keep Brock and Real on the field and cause a little bit of mixed direction and. You know, maybe other programs have already tried this and it hasn't worked, and I don't understand the scope of everything. I've been kind of waiting for them to break out the where he lines up at wide receiver and kind of does the jet sweep, and then instead of running the ball, he just kind of comes up and passes to a guy over the top. That's what I've been waiting for them to break out this entire year. See, that's and and they've thrown him out there at different times. He played he played a couple snaps against Oklahoma, uh, 
played some snaps, obviously, against Louisiana Monroe and against uh, West Virginia. There was another game that he played in uh, earlier in the year. I can't remember what it was. But um, I think the thing that Iowa State right now has that's kind of a luxury is when you talk about that play, you've got Deshante Jones, who is a former high school quarterback, that you can hand the ball to him. And then you've got the same personnel on the field. Iowa State generally likes to play pretty fast. You don't have to throw. And if you throw the Real Mitchell out there at, at wide receiver, I mean, if I saw Real Mitchell catch the ball immediately, I'm thinking like, oh, yeah, he's going to throw that. And so that's just where, where I would kind of, you know, side with it. I like I do think that you got to get your best players on the field. I think that's probably something that they've talked about a lot is figuring out how to get Real on the field. I know that was a big question in the offseason. And assuming that Real is still here next year, I would, I would guess that they're going to do a lot more to try and get him on the field next year. Awesome. Thank you. Yep, definitely. All right. Is that everybody? We can take more if you want. Everyone else is too scared. All right. We can close it up. Yeah. All right. I'm, I'm good if you guys are good. So, uh, all right. We'll be back on the podcast. All right. We're back in the Carl Chevrolet Studios at the Cyclone Fanatic offices in Ankeny. Time for underrated underdogs. You've already got yours. What? How did we do last week? Uh, we both lost last week. Unfortunately, shucks, my Baylor, my Baylor pick did not come through. It was close. It was. I thought I would, uh, unfortunately, get a another tally in the win column. Yeah, that was one that, you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah, not going to get too worked up about it. I wouldn't have been celebrating. And you picked, um, you picked Minnesota. Oh yeah, so, man, I was close there too. Yeah. So neither of us uh, prevailed. So this week oh. I am going with Texas to bounce back on the road against the Baylor Bears. Uh, I think Baylor's favored by five and a half points. Um, and they're playing at home. But I think with the way Texas's game went against Iowa State, I think they're going to come back and they're going to want to beat Baylor and get back on track. Okay. I'm looking at the lines for the first time uh, for the entire week. So it's a lot of good. Bear with me here for just a moment. Good choices. For um, yeah, there, there are some good choices. All, there's a lot of big lines. The lines are huge in the Big Ten this week. Yeah. Outside of two games. Um, no one's rolling with intern Brandon this week. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, I'm taking the Vampire 2.0 on the road in Lubbock. Two and a half point dogs to the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Good Can- Kansas State gets a bounce back win uh, and gets ready um, with for two seven and four teams doing battle next week in uh, in Manhattan. It's a good pick. I like it. All right. Thanks, man, for coming in. with was uh, a little bit of a shorter podcast, but we're just trying to get this thing done, and I'm sick. That's right. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Get back to 100%, man. I will try. Hopefully, I'll be better tomorrow uh, by the time people are listening to this, mm-hmm. and they can tweet at me, and I'll say, yes, I am at full strength again. Yeah. So, um, if you're listening to this, pray for Jared. Thank you. Pray, thank you for putting me in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, beat the Jayhawks. Thanks to the Ivy College of Business at Iowa State. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Peace. <laughs>